2: Welcome Back to the call-up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm RM Layton, he's Jack McMullen, and we've got another farm system to run down this week. And perhaps one of the more exciting in baseball, just with the top-end talent, Arizona Diamondbacks time, Jack. Uh, no one's gonna be able to see it because your name will be overlaid, but your name, you know, right now, as I can see it on StreamYard, is Davison De Los Santos. That's a guy we're gonna talk about. Maybe one of the best names in professional baseball, and he's not a bad baseball player either. I'm excited to break down the system, bro. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's really exciting because we talk a lot about the guy who's number one. Um, We talk a bit about the guy that's number two, but I'm excited to revisit him. And then three, four, five, like it's a common conversation. It's a common conversation because they're all really freaking good at baseball. And then six through ten feel like guys that can be serious contributors To one of the more fun teams in Major League Baseball. I think that's why we love this system, because we know they're coming to a team that's already watchable. You know what I mean? So, like, all of a sudden you've got these young guys making a young and exciting team more young and exciting. And it, it just becomes, like, the best fun 2K team ever.
2: Yes, and it's not the deepest system in the world. Like you'll see the, the names to watch. There's not that many, and maybe there were some more that I could have included. They have done well in the uh, international free agent space over the last, you know, couple years. And there's some guys there that I think are of intrigue. But I, I didn't want to just throw them in there, just to throw them in there, and repeat the same things that you're going to see from, you know, basically the, the very small amount of information we have on that front. So most of the guys that I put in the names to watch are guys that. I've been able to get something on in terms of information, video, data, whatever. Uh, so it's not that deep, but it could be salvaged in that department with the progression of, of some of these IFA guys. That said, top 10 is up there with anybody because you have, like you mentioned, the elite top five talent. And then you've got the back end of the top 10, which is guys that have high probability of being big league contributors one way or another. I'd say that this system. Definitely leans bat heavy, but I like how they hedge it with, you know, you have the one fantastic pitching prospect and then you have a few other pitching prospects who are high floor, almost guaranteed to be a big leaguer um, with maybe a little bit more room to to hope for more. Um, Let's get into it, man, because this is this is one that. I think I want to spend a little extra time on on the guys on the back half of the top 10. I think some guys in the 11 to 15 range are extremely intriguing, Uh, but we'll start, as always, with the names to watch, which this might be one of the shorter lists of terms in terms of names to watch uh, that we've had in a little while. But I I like this crop of players just outside the top 15 and a guy that was really close to reaching the top 15 uh, and, and I think could be a contributor very soon. For the Arizona Diamondbacks is, is Justin Martinez, right-handed pitching prospect who you know climbed several levels last year, finished in the Arizona Fall League. I was floored, Jack. This was just another name that you know going in saying, like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see what what we get from this guy, and I've you know I've heard the name, seen the numbers, they're pretty good. But when you dive into the data and the stuff, Martinez is is dirty fastball. Pretty much routinely touches triple digits. I think so far this spring he's been like sitting a hundred. Um, and and a nasty nasty splitter. So he's got the fastball splitter combination that I think could put him in the back of a bullpen. Right now it's all about commands. He's walking fourteen percent of batters. Uh, you can get away with something close to that as a reliever. You want to see it get a little bit better, but he struck out nearly forty percent of batters last year. So Justin Martinez, you know, I know we normally go through them all. We don't need to do that this time because there's only a few names on the other names to watch. But look out for Justin Martinez. Is a guy that could be a, just another one of those. Where the hell did he come from bullpen arms that we see coming out of the minor leagues more and more often now?
1: Yeah. It's, it's exciting to find those guys. And and I think that, you know, they need to be in the top 20, top 25 prospects in an organization. If you have a shot at being a legitimate setup guy, Um, you know, I, the thing that I find so interesting about prospect evaluation is if you have a guy that you think could be a closer, where does he lie? Yeah. Like Palencia with the Cubs, yeah. Where does Palencia lie in the Cubs? Like, he's not top 10, but is he 11 through 15? Because he can be the closer for the Cubs. A guy like Palencia, yeah. Because um, I and think Martinez, Martinez is a like, better. steps slightly down from Palencia.
2: Yes. That's probably one of the harder things to do, man, because, like, Martinez is grouped with a couple guys here. Like, Slate like Jaconi, who we'll get to, is going to find his way to the big leagues. But, like, AJ Vukovich, very, very toolsy, talented, big dude. He might never make it. Like I know that Justin Martinez will guaranteed pitch some big league innings. I don't know how he'll fare. I think he'll fare pretty well. I think it'll be you know a, a wild ride to a degree. Uh, but I mean, this guy is is extremely extremely nasty. He's thrown forty one fastballs so far the spring training. Twenty one years old by the way. He's thrown forty one fastballs. They're averaging hundred miles an hour. But like, here's the problem: eighteen of them have been balls don't care so, you know 20 23 strikes 18 balls like that's that's a problem splitter i'm not kidding is like it's it's npb level like it's it's like what you what you're gonna see from samurai japan it's like that kind of splitter um so that fastball splitter combination i think that's gonna put them in the back of a bullpen if if the, the command can get a little better but obviously starting off the spring so far um it doesn't look like the command is is, is totally uh Making a step in in the right direction just yet, but maybe he'll get his feet under him a little bit.
1: I, I saw a clip from like a driveline type vlog from he who should not be named that makes vlogs, um, and <laughs> he uh, he said it, like he started with a question: "What's more important, command or velocity?" And he said, "Well, it depends what your goals are." Um, and and he just went into if you want to be a good high school pitcher, command's more important, but high school or uh, college coaches and and pro scouts are going to take the guy that throws 92 and doesn't know where it's going as opposed to 82 and know exactly where it's going. Um, So Justin Martinez, could he be exponentially better if he could throw strikes? Yes. But even without it, he's still probably a major league arm.
2: Yep, he'll find a way. He'll find a way. Um, So definitely a name to monitor. AJ Vukovic, very interesting kind of prospect here. He was a finalist for Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin. Which is cool. I knew you would eat that up. Um, third baseman, outfielder. He's played a little outfield too. He was an overslot pick back in 2020, $1.25 dollars in, in the fourth round. Uh, he he was a guy that you know I think you'll see him in the top fifteen and other rankings. I, I just I couldn't really see. I didn't see enough in terms of of him leveraging his his long levers, his size at 6'5", 225 to produce power. And, and right now, you've got a big guy with some swing and miss, with an aggressive approach that isn't leveraging his size and his longer level levers into power. That said, he did go nuts over the final twenty five games. Hit like eight homers over his final 25 games. Most of those came in high A, um, but did get to get up to double A. He was, you know, hot and cold, up and down, you know, a little bit of everything. Super talented in, in terms of athleticism. A big dude. Um you got to monitor a six, five guy who moves pretty well. And, and, you know, at least puts bad on ball at a decent level. I think he's like an 80% zone contact guy, 40% chase rates. Just not going to cut it though. But again, this is a guy that got drafted in 2020, probably missed out on that year. 2021 was his first real season. And then he had a little bit of ups and downs last year. He's a guy that I think could break out in a big way or become forgotten this coming season. And I, I, I hate saying that like that, but that's kind of where, where I see him going this year is, is either breaking out or, or, you know, kind of fizzling a little bit in terms of the prospect of lore.
1: Yeah. Um, my only addition on AJ Vukovic, I looked up who he finished behind for Wisconsin, Mr. Basketball, another finalist, Jalen Johnson of the Atlanta Hawks, who notably opted out of the remainder of the Duke season when he realized they weren't going to be good in 21. And yeah. uh, the winner of Wisconsin, Mr. Basketball that year, Mr. Johnny Davis of Wisconsin Ooh. and a former top 10 pick.
2: Yeah. You're not beating that guy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, and, and again, that's a testament to Vukovic's athleticism. So you know, if he can find a way, he starts very closed, cuts himself off a little bit. If he can find a, the moves that work for him in the box, a guy that big with that athleticism should have plus power. But right now I think off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure his his 90th percentile is like 101 and change, which is just that's just not going to cut it for a six five guy that's supposed to be a power guy. Yeah. Next up, Slade Ciccone. Um Slay did not have the year that you would hope, but it wasn't a disaster by any stretch. You know, he hung around in the fours, ERA wise, high A double A. Didn't get the swings and misses you'd like to see, and and that was a really fun case study for me because I love Ciccone out of the draft. He's kind of a data darling. Fastball sits in the mid-90s, can get it up to 97, commands the fastball really well. If you look at the numbers, didn't walk a lot of guys, didn't strike out that many guys either, though. Slider flashes above average, but he just does not command the secondaries well. I think he landed all of his secondaries uh, at at about a 50% clip for a strike, whereas the fastball he was pounding the zone with that east west command is great and he leaned on the fastball 60% of the time so for that reason kept the walk rate in check but he didn't get the swings and misses you would want to see and gave up more loud contact than you'd like to see it's good news that he commands the fastball well it's good news that the fastball is above average but you're going to need to command those secondaries to you know be able to be a top 15 prospect and you know I, I, he's still young in his development He's he's a talented arm. So, you know, we'll see how, how he kind of progresses this coming season.
1: Yeah. And he was a strikeout artist that is becoming less and less of a strikeout artist, right? Mm -hmm. Granted very small sample four starts for Miami in 2020 before the COVID shutdown, but he was about 13 K's per nine before that. He he was was overpowering dudes. Yeah. Before that he was like 10 K's per nine. And then he hops into high A and he's 10 K's per nine. And then he was nine K's per nine. So if he can recapture the strikeout stuff in the upper minors, that bodes incredibly well for him, but there's a direct correlation between not having the secondary pitches that you can go to all the time and strikeouts.
2: Yeah, and and hitters today are just too smart, right? They have way more information than even you and I have, and and you and I have enough information to say, when I face Slade Ciccone, I'm daring him to locate that breaking ball or that change up you know three times and punch me out especially when I know that he uses the fastball 60 percent of the time and I know that the secondaries are only going to be a strike around half the time statistically speaking he's not going to locate it three times to get you unless he's on that day and right. then you adjust accordingly so you know I think that's the thing that was holding Chacone back a little bit but that's one thing that slight uptick in the secondary command and I think all of a sudden you see a big difference and he he's start, starting to track more like a back end of the rotation starter again for sure your guy. Yun you mean Lin. You mean Lin, left-handed pitching prospect, low A, 19 years old. Probably the best changeup in this system, Jack. Um, you mean Lin sits 89 to 90. Um, he's like 5'10, but this changeup at 81 to 82 miles an hour is is insane. It's a screw, screwball changeup. That basically looks like a righty slider. <laughs> like it looks like a right, righty breaking ball. And dude, he carved guys up with that pitch last year. The problem with with Lynn is the fastball is 89 yeah. and the, you know, the command is not great yet, but if you're a 19 year old with, with a plus plus potential changeup as a lefty, you got my attention. Just sit 92 to 93 eventually and, and throw more strikes. And you mean Lynn might be a dude.
1: He more than Corbin Carroll was like the one dude that I mandated was in this list, and and you write him up because Carroll I knew was already going to be there. But you mean Lynn? Sign me up, baby. Like, I, you sent me that video of his changeup, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Devin Williams with more horizontal movement. Yes. Wild problem is he throws 89 and he can't really throw strikes. But y- you think about what he did in the complex. Uh, seven starts at the complex, seven starts in Visalia in low A, 14 starts, 56 innings, 91 punch-outs in 56 <laughs> innings. That's 14.5 Ks per
2: nine. It's so crazy because most of these guys he's facing, you know, most of those hitters are probably seeing change-ups that actually suck. Like guys yeah. that are trying trying to find it so bad, and then you got Yumi and Lin throwing just screwballs at you. Totally, totally, totally overpowering guys with that. The crazy thing is the changeup's hard enough. I was worried that the changeup was going to be like 75, 76, you know, because the fastball is so uh The, the changeup's eight, low 80s. Oh, so if wow. that fastball can tick up to 91, 92, even, he's going to be able to ride that, I think, to, to success. Uh, but I don't know how much projections in you mean Lin's frame. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. He is just 19. I'm in. Uh, Ruben Santana, another infielder. I, again, I mentioned there's a lot of international free agents, but, but Santana's interesting to me. Um, I really like the tools. He could be a combination of plus speed and above average power, $750,000 signee out of the DR. Uh, I just, I like the projection from Santana. Not much else there, though.
1: Ready for the top 15? Wait, you weren't. Y- y- I wasn't going to add anything to a DSL guy that's I was going to
2: spare you the, like, all right, sounds good, or just like the whatever kind of BS you would have tried to pull out there. Yeah, Uh, but this is
1: better. This back and forth, like saying, I know you have nothing to add and me acknowledging that I have nothing to add, this is good. This is good. I have nothing to add. Like, (laughs) it's just like, he hit 316 in 43 games in the world in the United States. No,
2: there you go. You added more than I did then. (laughs) Um, But he's interesting. This is a guy I know you can add plenty on. Um, number 15 is first base slash DH Ivan Melendez. Talk about a guy that's hard to rank, too, right? I gotta rank this guy against Justin Martinez. Like, again, this is another one of those microcosms of like prospect rankings being ridiculous, ridiculously fun, but also ridiculous. Justin Martinez versus Ivan Melendez. <laughs> Ivan Melendez was what would you say he was the best hitter in college baseball last year i said one of to to save from definitive statements in a write-up but like
1: yeah i mean definitively he was the best hitter in college baseball i think he won the golden spikes award He, he slashed 387 508 863 that's a 1371 ops 32 homers 94 driven in in 67 games just just a home run every other game I mean, that's Chris Bryant stuff. KB yeah. hit 31 and 62 at University of San Diego. That's, I think, the West Coast Conference. Yeah, uh, he's doing this at Texas in the yeah. Big 12. And by the way, 52 walks, 51 punch outs in 67 games. So you know, obviously, those numbers are video game. This is a guy that went JUCO,
2: then Texas, and then you know had a great year, got drafted by the Marlins, opted not to sign goes back and does what he does, goes second round to, to the Diamondbacks here. It, it's it's tough to, 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 I guess, rank a guy like this because while I think he's a better offensive player than a lot of the guys ahead of him on this list, the, the, the range of outcomes, it, it, it's difficult to envision. Really, I feel like there's only one way. That Ivan Melendez is a successful big leaguer, and it's absolutely mashing. And I think that's why he he falls back to 15 here, which is 15 in a good system. Like that, that's something to to note here. He's 15th in a good system, but this there's so much pressure on the bat. He's 23. He's first base slash DH, and he has to has to be a really a 30 home run threat to be a valuable piece at the highest level. to, To put it that simply, I think he can be that. That's why he's ranked here, but. There's not that many other ways for him to be a contributor and for him to be a good big leaguer. Uh, that said, the power translated, I thought, right away. Maybe not in terms of slugging professionally in a very small stint where he was probably gassed after a long year of literally hitting home runs every other day. But he did uh, he did put up a 115-mile-per-hour exit velocity uh, already in that brief cameo in pro ball with a wood bat, which is elite that's absolutely elite. So, uh, you know, where where do you rank this guy for yourself? Like is this like a fair spot to put one of the probably one of the better bats that we're going to talk about outside of the top 3 or 4, but he's also limited to first base watch DH and has to hit a bunch of homers to to be a, a productive big leaguer.
1: Yeah, I I mean it's so hard because you look at these numbers and it's like, "Oh my gosh." It yeah. it is mid-major scoring leader against high major does everything else kind of thing. Like it's yeah. the Damian Lillard conversation who is yeah. dropping in like 28 points a game at Weber State against somebody that's dropping 12 points a game at Duke, but looks a lot better than than Damian yeah. Lillard does. And sometimes a Lillard works out. But for every Chris Bryant, you've got a Cody Clemens who has like a 30 homer season. A Brent Rooker. Yeah, a Rooker. Like, you've got a bunch of those guys that were great power bats in college, and it just doesn't translate. Melendez has to be a power bat. He doesn't have to be 387 with 32 nukes in in 67 games, Um, but he needs to be 32 homers over 162 to provide the value that we think. Ivan Melendez is Sonny DeShera. They were excellent college hitters. They can't do anything defensively you better be a good hitter at the professional ranks in order to be a big leaguer. Absolutely.
2: Uh, and I'm excited to watch him this year though, because if he's tearing up high a and double, then you can start making the case of like, yeah, it's all about the bat, but it's good enough. We're going to put this guy in the top 100 or the top, whatever or top 10 for the system. But you know, he's going to have to show it.
1: Well, and he's a quick mover too, right? He can like, if he succeeds for 20 games, He can move up because he's on the older side. Like he's going to have to prove it at each spot, like almost like Nico Cavadas, where if you're really good for a minute, you can go up as opposed to some of these younger guys that need to work on things defensively. Like it's literally all about what Melendez does in the batter's box. If he's good in the batter's box for two weeks, he's going to the next level. Absolutely. And, and I'm excited to see how he gets off to a a
2: start this year, what, how he does, how aggressive they're going to be with him, all that good stuff. It should be very, very interesting to follow. 14 blaze Alexander, maybe one of the best names in minor league baseball. It's up there. Uh, Shortstop reached triple a last year. Blaze is interesting because he has some of the biggest whiff concerns. Ironically, you know, had a really good season. This is why the PCL is so messed up. People will probably be in my ear being like, How do you have a 30 hit tool for a guy that hit three hundred last year? He whiffed in the zone more than anybody in the entire org, I believe. Thirty one percent in zone whiff for just just to like maybe translate that, sixty-nine percent zone contact. Like that's that's below Joey Gallo, um, or that's like Joey Gallo range. So yeah. I don't, I don't totally know why there's so much swing and miss there. He can get a little bit long. He gets a very, very wrapped with his with his hand load. But that said, improved his approach. Did improve on some of the whiff issues as the year went on. Uh, phenomenal defender all over the infield. He, he's gotten better with the routine plays. Best arm in the system. Plus plus arm that I think helps him play a good shortstop. He could play third. He could play second. Uh, and and what's crazy is even with the end zone whiff, he does crush velocity. He did hit really well against velocity. So you know, I think there's a way where Blaze Alexander is a valuable super utility guy, especially with the defensive tools he has and the power. Ninetieth percentile above 103 miles per hour is good. Uh, but you know that that amount of end zone whiff, there's very few players that have that high of an end zone whiff and and have success. So that's the one thing to monitor from the 23 year old
1: brother i want to know like Hillsboro, oregon is a tougher place to hit than amarillo texas for sure but i want to know how this guy went from a 218 hitter to a 300 hitter
2: yeah he honestly just improved on a lot of the the approach issues he had he was taken really bad i was looking at 2021 a lot of bad hacks and bad counts
1: and like just, that just it, looks like a terrible season from him
2: yeah it was lost it was just a lost year for him and and, and to what to the point of what he did last year, it got him added to the 40 man, um, you know, so obviously the Diamondbacks were buying what he was selling because they added him to the 40 man and not, you know, one or two of the guys that we're going to talk about that I've ranked ahead of him. So that shows a, a difference in, in, in belief there. Obviously, they have Blaze ranked higher potentially in their mind or they just value the infield, you know, a little bit more than than the Dominic Fletcher in the outfield. Um, to have the the adjustments that he had, to he started using the whole field better too. That was huge for him. Again, he's a little long, but when you can go the other way, inside out baseballs, so that helps you a lot more. And clearly, that helped you know Blaze Alexander really turn into a, a much better hitter overall. I think he can be a, a super utility type with the jump that we saw from him last year to this year. Yeah. Next up, a guy I know you like, Dominic Fletcher. And you know, again, it's probably a little bit backwards to think you know, well, Dominic Fletcher was left exposed in the rule of five plays. Alexander wasn't. Why would you have Fletcher ranked above Alexander? I, I just think Fletcher has a way higher chance of contributing at the big league level consistently. Uh, I, I think if, if if I had to take a bet on which of these two accumulates more war in their major league career, I'm going to take Fletcher. There's a chance Alexander blows him out of the water because of the defensive skill set that he has. But the thing with Dominic Fletcher, but brother of David Fletcher, by the way, yeah. um, he's a really good defender in the outfield. So I think that's going to keep him around. Uh, that was the one thing. I, I thought his defense was a little bit fringier than I thought, and then I dove into the video, watched him in center, watched him in the corners, and it, he's not the fastest. He's probably an average runner. But, man, he, he takes great routes. He gets great jumps. He, he's a good outfielder in all three spots. You pair that with 87% zone contact and at least average power, I want to see this guy get everyday reps, man. I really do. I think the power is probably fringy uh, at the big league level. So maybe he's just a 10 to 15 home run guy, but much like his brother, great bat to ball skills that have continued to get better. He hits the ball harder than his brother. And, and he has the ability to play all three outfield spots. To me, this is such a high probability big leaguer. I'm floored that nobody took him in the rule five draft. I really am.
1: Yeah. Um, you've got a, a 45 future on his game power. Fletcher is like 2020. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Or, sorry, David is 20-20. Dominic is like 40-45 right now. Yes. So, I am I mean, like, David Fletcher with a little bit more impact. Think about that.
2: Yes, yeah, slightly, slightly less bat-to-ball, but, like, that's
1: fine. 87% zone contact is fantastic. Slightly less bat-to-ball is still a contact-oriented guy, right? Like, David Fletcher and Nick Magical are just kind of the ones that are cut from the I'm never going to swing and miss, but I'm never going to hit the ball over the outfielder's head. Dominic Fletcher may swing and miss twice in a week as opposed to zero, but he might hit a ball over an outfielder's head. Exactly. And he snuck out, what was it? 12 home runs last year.
2: Um, But what I think what really stood out to me was 57 extra base hits in 133 games. So this is a guy that's got gap to gap power. Um, And I think we'll we'll hit tons of doubles. I want to see him get an opportunity. I I, I don't know where or how he will get that. It'll probably need somebody to go down, but I think that, He could be a more valuable fourth outfield option to the Diamondbacks than Kyle Lewis uh, with the defense that he brings to the table, too. I really do. Next up. Wildered Patino, another awesome name. Wildered Patino, outfielder who flies, flies. Trend here, a lot of aggressive hitters, a lot of fringy hit tools, but a lot of speed. Plus plus runner. I think uh, an above average defender potentially in all three spots above average raw power puts the ball on the ground way too much 58% ground ball rate, but this dude flies 67 stolen bases last year, 67 stolen bases. And you combine that with a guy that actually hits the ball hard. He had multiple batted balls over a hundred, over 110 miles an hour, which is, Pretty crazy for a 21-year-old uh, who, who is a speed-first guy and a 90th percentile exit velocity of 103. If he can get the ball in the air more, this, this guy could be a, a blend of elite, elite speed and, and decent power um, that I think would make him a very interesting and dynamic prospect.
1: So Wilder Patino – Something is going on in his 2021 season that I don't think I've ever seen before. And I love like these unique names because I can test to see if there has been any professional baseball player anywhere that has had the same name. There is nobody else named Wilder in baseball history, which is cool. So he could be a groundbreaker. Um, 2021, he walked five times in 38 games. He was hit by nine pitches. You ever seen somebody get hit by more pitches than they than they are walks? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. And, like, it was close this year. 27 walks, 18 hit by pitches. <sighs> no idea why. So I guess, like, he's Acuna, like, is so close to the plate, uh, but he swings at everything? Swings at everything. And that's the big thing.
2: And guys that expand the zone are going to hit the ball on the ground more, and that was part of the problem, right, is – expand the zone, you're going to swing at more pitches outside rollover, swing Swinging more pitches at the bottom of the zone rollover. 58% ground ball rate. just not going to fly. But this dude hit 110-mile-an-hour home runs. So like you can see the power. It's a really interesting profile. If you can get the ball in the air more, if you can be more patient, I think he can be a top 100 prospect. Like That's how much his approach and, and, and just hitting the ball on the ground is holding him back. He walked a little bit more last year. I know he set the bar low for himself in that department, but he did walk more last year. I think he might've doubled his walk total, but no, I've never seen somebody get hit by more pitches than walk. I don't know if I've ever, ever seen that in my life. Next up. This was probably my, my most exciting find in this system. A guy that I was not expecting to push up this high. Jorge Barosa. Jorge Barosa is a dude. I texted you about him. So I'm like, man, I, I, I might have to push this guy all the way just outside of the top 10. And that's exactly where the outfielder stands. Just turned 22 years old. He's compact, a 5'9", 180 guy. Uh, but switch hitter with a plus hit tool, 90% zone contact, 90, plus runner, plus defender in the outfield. Really, the, the only thing holding him back here is below average power and just not enough of a track record, but I think with a strong year this year, this guy's one of the better I think position player prospects in the system as some guys graduate and what's crazy is he's got better as the year went on. 92% zone contact over his final 50 games and what I love the most is he's a patient hitter. He doesn't expand the zone, walk 13% of the time, struck out 16% of the time. Bat to ball skills from both sides of the plate and, you know, the, the defensive tools and the speed, this guy has is, is such a high floor high probability big leaguer and i think he's got enough offensively going for him to be an everyday center fielder.
1: And he and he found the gaps, man. 33 doubles in 120 games between high A and double last year and 110 of those 120 came in double. But 33 doubles says something serious. Um he stole some bags. Are you worried about the efficiency? He yeah, i'm a little worried about on. the
2: efficiency. I thought that was weird. Um
1: what was he 22 for 34? He was 26 for 38. He was caught yeah. 12 times, but he was 22 yeah. for 33 in double A. Okay.
2: Yeah, it, that is surprising because of how fast he is, but you know, it's something to monitor. I think I think if, if if he can be more efficient with the base stealing. I think this is one of the guys where it's got to be a little bit more important because he's not going to, you know, produce much power-wise, uh, but he does and how much he walks. You'd love to see that that walk turn into a double with a stolen base. But the plus hit tool from both sides of the plate that I think could be plus plus uh, if he continues on the trajectory that he's on. Again, you're you're not getting an all-star here probably, but if you're getting a 90% zone contact guy with great defense, why can't he develop into a Stephen Kwan? Uh, Maybe not quite to the degree of 96% zone contact like Stephen Kwan, but shit, man, he was 92% over the last 50 games. Why can't he be cut from a similar cloth there? Um, max exit velocity was already right on par with Quan at
1: 107 miles an hour. Right. Um, I Just for reference, I want to find out the guys that like OPS the best in Amarillo. Um, just because like the OPSs are always so high, it feels like. Uh, and Barossa, for reference, like there were a couple of guys – that had OPSs over a thousand in very small samples. Dominic Kenzone, OPS over a thousand in a fifteen-game sample. Corbin Carroll, fifty-eight games, he had a ten seventy-three OPS. But after that, you've got Dominic Fletcher in thirty-two games. Is This Lorenzo Cedeno, who's the one that hit like that five hundred-foot homer, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, so he had a great season. But after that, it was Blaze Alexander, and then it was this guy Jorge Barosa in terms of like everyday regulars. Which is a big
2: deal because, again,
1: he's he's bat-to-ball, like spray it and
2: use the speed, and his defense is spectacular. So Barroso is a name I'm excited to watch this year. Again, just turned 22, already has the approach and the bat-to-ball down. Count me in. Top 10 time, and we get to number 10, which I think we're lower on Dre Jameson maybe than than anybody else. Um, and, and that's not to say that I don't think Dre Jameson is a good big league arm. I think he's a good big league arm. Look at this slider that he's throwing for those watching on YouTube right here. Uh, he commands it really well to his glove side. That's a big league, high leverage bullpen pitch. My problem with Dre Jamison is I don't know if I see a path to him being a sustainably good starter because his four seamer gets shellacked. Uh, he does use the sinker, but he splits it like evenly with the four seamer, the, the sinker gave him a second above-average pitch. But up to this point, he's got a four-seamer that gets crushed, a, a sinker that has been pretty effective, a change-of-pace curveball, and not a good change-up. So really, you're, you're riding high on the slider and one of his two fastballs. With, with good control, not great command, I, I just don't know if Dre Jamison is more than a, a swingman type. Uh, but I do think he could be one of the better swingmen in baseball for what that's worth, and I think that's worth a lot.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that he can be a swingman and can be a swingman for a long time. Um, and, and I'm thinking like, okay, Christian Javier looked like a good swingman, he turned into a great starter. Michael kopek looked like a great swingman, he turned into a fine starter. I'm thinking a usmero Petit type, where he is a career swingman, multi-inning reliever. Because I think that slider plays for two innings, one time through the order. Hell, maybe three innings. But the thing is, he's a smaller guy, six foot a buck seventy-five. He pitches like a smaller guy. Like you can see if you're following along on YouTube with this GIF, that his body is flying towards the first base side. You see that? Like, I mean, he's throwing with all of his body in every pitch. That's not sustainable into the sixth or seventh. We saw him throw really well in starts at the end of the year, but they weren't seven, eight-inning starts. He will never be the seven, eight-inning start guy, I don't think. The stuff is good enough to be A-level for three innings, four innings.
2: I think the the other side of it, too, is just like – approach wise the slider is really good but you, you start to shut that thing down a little bit if you're able to 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 track that or spit on that he's going to really struggle to get guys out i think the slider will be effective to lefties and righties which gives him that multi-inning relief ability but when your four-seamer and i know he pitched in horrible environments but still when that four-seamer has a 3.06 opponent batting average and, and when you are you know not really getting the whiff there that you'd like to get uh i, I just i just don't know if that's going to be enough i think the sinker is, is Uh, gives him hope to stick as a starter. And I think he can be an okay back end of the rotation guy. I just think in the best role for him, I think he thrives best as that multi-inning reliever and spot starter. That said, there's probably five starters that are worse than Dre Jamison. So I still do think he could be a solid five starter, but he's, he's going to, Probably be less valuable in that role than a dominant swingman, which I think he can really be with the fastball velocity that'll probably be more upper nineties in multi inning spurts and probably play up more. And that banger slider, I think the the challenges with the changeup and the curveball too uh, were a big issue. His changeup had a over a one thousand OPS against last year. Um, Yeah, like it's just not doesn't seem like a a usable pitch for him, Um, and and it's very very firm.
1: Can I pitch something to Tori Lovello? I think, you know, especially this year where you've got Gallen and Kelly holding down starts and you've got some other guys that will like be true starters. The five spots open for like three guys. I think if you were to and we're going to get to one of these guys that I think should be the five starter on opening day. I think if you had Jameson ready as the piggyback guy off of him every fifth day, that's a recipe for success as opposed to running out. Madison Bumgarner. (laughs)
2: I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. I'd love to see. I think, I think Jameson's going to get opportunities in the rotation. And then if it doesn't work that way, um, they'll probably default to something like that, which I think he could really thrive. Checking in at number nine is one of the best college baseball relievers we've seen in some time. And then a guy that made some really impressive starts before, unfortunately going down with Tommy John surgery, Landon Sims, right-handed pitching prospect at number nine, Man, was he special to watch at Mississippi State? Was he not just one of the more electric college pitchers? It it reminds me of Paul Skeens right now. With the fastball slider combination, Sims was a joke as a reliever. No one could touch him. And we saw that move to the rotation that we were all so excited about. We're like, oh, this is going to play him into the first round. He dominates for three starts, then goes down with Tommy John surgery, and the rest was history. Still selected was 34th overall in the draft just off of what he can already do as a reliever and what he could potentially do as a starter. Fastball slider are already plus pitches, and I think you can pretty much pencil him in for that uh, the second that he debuts professionally. Change-ups a question. I've only seen him throw a few. Um, That's a big X factor. But he commands the fastball and slider so well that he basically has the floor of – I think Dre Jamison, And that's why he's ranked ahead of him. I basically feel like if if it doesn't go right, he's Dre Jamison. Um, if he doesn't progress much, he's Dre Jamison. If he progresses the way I think he can, and you know, maybe gets a little bit more of a feel for even an average changeup. This guy could be a, a a number four, number maybe even a number three type starter with the way that he commands his fastball and his slider.
1: Can I pitch you a middle option? Yes. So you said floor is Dre Jameson. Ceiling is probably three or two, right? Yeah, How about something like closer? A closer.
2: Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's kind of the 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 backup plan here is lights out closer because the fastball slider combination, which he commands the shit out of that slider, like he can locate it east west, bury it on lefties, um, you know, obviously get righties to wave at it, and the fastball command spectacular. So. That alone, like you could pretty much fast track him to a big league bullpen if you wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, like he, here's my thing, man. I think he, the guy that we talked about a little bit earlier in this list, Martinez, like he's a he's a setup guy. Um, Jameson, if he did fully commit to the bullpen, he's a setup guy. Sims, that two pitch mix is closer. Like there's a difference between closer and good back end of the bullpen guy. Um, wow. So. If he is, if he is the heir to the Andrew Chafin throne, I think everybody's really happy uh, in Arizona. But man, I Landon Sims, you're right. He was such a fun watch at Mississippi State. Not only the strikeouts, right? The strikeout numbers are gaudy. I think he was what 16 Ks per nine in his career at Mississippi State. Um, the walks, crazy. 15 and two thirds innings, 27 punchouts, two walks. As a starter, but you mentioned that sophomore season in 21 when they won the national championship, 100 Ks, 15 walks in 56 innings. Don't you want to see that as a starter? Yeah. Well, yes. But also, like, it's kind of fun if that's a closer too, because he's just attacking the zone. And this is the kind of guy that can survive with the extra inning rule, right? Because he's not putting runners on base. Like, Innings are not getting away from him. I think it's max one runs coming in in the tenth or eleventh. Hundred percent,
2: and I think that's like the worst case scenario, which is a really exciting part. If he can find a feel for a changeup with the way that he commands the slider and the fastball, it's a middle rotation starter, man, at least. So they're going to give him that shot. But I, I, I'm with you. Like if it, if if he doesn't find the changeup, he doesn't progress the way, um, or maybe his arm doesn't hold up deep into starts, velocity wise, which he, in, in short spurts that we saw it did. Um, you know, then you plug this guy's you can fast track him to a big league bullpen with the way that he commands a fastball and slider already. Yeah. Next up. Lefty, only Southpaw other than you mean, Lynn, that we're going to talk about today. Blake Walston, uh, Walston was t- still 21 years old. Like, I feel like he's been around way longer than that. Six, five. Uh, first round pick in twenty nineteen. Didn't have the year that we were hoping because this is somebody that you know I I thought was knocking on the door of our top 100 list. He was knocking on the door of our top 100 list going into last year. Uh, But the stuff just didn't quite tick up the way we had hoped. Still good enough. He's he's a good pitchability guy that can mix four offerings. Uh, A little bit of built-in deception allows his fringy fastball to play up. But when you have an above-average slider and an above-average changeup and you – have a little built in deception, you're going to get outs. And that's what he did. He has the taste breaking curveball as well. I just, the reason why I have Walton ahead of these other guys is that he's 6'5, 180, an athlete, a quarterback in high school. You can see the athleticism in his delivery. He repeats his delivery well. I think there's more in there, right? Like, don't you feel like you could easily see this guy tick up to, you know, right now the fastball is low 90s, maybe tick up more to the 92 to 94 range instead of the 91 to
1: 92 range? For sure. But I love how low effort he looks in his delivery. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's repeatable. Yes, it's pretty athletic. It's athletic because of the frame. I think mechanically, like it's so simple and you're almost asking him like, hey, give me a little bit more. Give a shit here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, hey, throw and throw with a little bit more effort. Um, but that's that's the Shane Boz thing, too. And obviously, Boz is throwing 99. So, you know, even though it looks low effort, it's pretty high effort. Walston, if he does unlock two more miles an hour, three more miles an hour on the fastball, all of a sudden, like ball jumps on you like it does with Boz because you're never expecting 99 from that delivery. You're never expecting 96 from this delivery. You're expecting 91, 92, which is what he's giving you right now. But I think the slider plays off this delivery really well. Oh, yeah. See this in the GIF.
2: And and what I love about that is the, the slider was his most effective pitch. So you're right. But don't you feel like even the changeup too off of that? Like I feel like it's, it's a good tunnel combination here. And you know who he reminds me a little bit of? Who had a fantastic outing the other day, by the way, uh, Jared Schuster. Yeah. You know, it's not as short of an arm action. I'm not talking about like the the delivery as much, but in terms of fastball quality, isn't great, but feel for two secondaries built in deception, and that allows the fastball to play up. Schuster saw the velo gain, by the way. And look up – if for those listening who haven't seen it, go look at what he did to the Red Sox uh, earlier this week. Schuster's fastball ticked up, and now I think he's going to be a rotation piece for the Braves very, very soon, especially if Ian Anderson continues to struggle. So my point being, Walson 21, Walson 6'5". If he ticks up here – and by the way, he has ticked up so far in spring training. He's averaged closer to 93. I know it's shorter spurts, but he has – I think this guy's a top 100 prospect and and a very safe bet to be a back end of the rotation arm.
1: Yeah, I, I love that you just comped Schuster because I just watched Schuster kind of carve through the Boston Red Sox. And like wasn't the Ray team like I, I saw him get Daniel Palko yeah. to fly out to center. But I, there were some guys in there like Casas was in there. That's and what saying, man, like it was training it was Hall of Famer
2: Bobby Dahlbeck. Fastball was jumping from him though. It was jump. Hey, and Dalbeck hits lefties at least. Like it, it was an impressive performance. I really do think that he's gonna break into that rotation early, early. Yeah. Schuster. Yeah. But I think Walson has a lot of similarities there. For sure. Next up, a guy that will definitely be in this rotation for the Diamondbacks this year. It's Ryan Nelson, who man, Nelson's been been really impressive, I think, in terms of his progression, in terms of of how he is kind of Inventing himself to be a productive and and solid back end of the rotation starter, it's all off of the fastball, which you can see in the video here too. It's ride in in the mid to upper nineties, and it just lives on a rope at the top of the zone. Fastball is plus easily. Um, the slider is above average and tunnels well off of that. I'd like to see the changeup be a bit better, but when you have a riding fastball, an average changeup plays up to slightly above average. And then he has a taste breaking curveball and good overall command. I feel really confident, confident about Ryan Nelson being a four or five starter in the big leagues for a long time.
1: Yeah. So I love his delivery so much, so much. Like mechanically, there are some things where like you could point to, hey, that's that's not by the book. But all the cues are there. So this guy gets closed immediately. Like if you watch a full wind and you don't get it in the article, but when you watch a Ryan Nelson star, watch the full wind because he starts with his glove hand, almost extended from his chest. And he's got his left shoulder, his lead shoulder already pointing towards home plate. So don't have to worry about squaring up. Don't have to worry about missing horizontally too much yanking, letting something, you know, kind of hang out, um, at risk of hitting a a right-handed hitter then he almost like breaks the hands and then slowly pushes the glove hand out which you can start to see in this gif um he's using that glove hand as his lead hand and then he's yanking the crap out of that glove hand into his gut and that's creating that torque that you need to run it up to 96 97 which he does um I, i think that this guy knows exactly what his, body, what his body is doing at all times. I love that you just said that because I think it's to the point to which
2: he has optimized his delivery for his arsenal. This is something that I've, I kind of went down this rabbit hole recently and talking to some pitchers. Guys that have the high spin fastball, we talk about the low release point. He is one of the guys that almost looks like he's releasing it upwards, right? Like the way that that his shoulders are tilted at release – Almost makes it look like he's throwing it upwards, which if you have a riding fastball and you have that tilt, it's hard. Not a lot of guys can do that, but if you can deliver the, the fastball that way, it takes off even more. And that's why we're seeing that high spin fastball, that high induced vertical break fastball from Nelson just play up even more. Like It looks like he's releasing it from a low point and just It's riding straight up into the air, and that's going to be a big swing and miss pitch for him. He can get away with throwing that 60% of the time because guys are going to whiff at that thing, Joe Ryan style, I think.
1: Go All right, eliminate the bottom half because this is like where I think people get um, sidetracked when I make this comp because the leg does a very unique thing. But look at the top half. Look at the glove hand and look at the follow-through. Who does he look like? Do you see some Otani and Darvish? It's a very Japanese upper half.
2: It is with the, with the way that the glove is used. Yeah.
1: And, and a lot of Japanese pitchers, you get, you get sidetracked by like that front leg doing that weird kick thing. Yeah. But what they do is like, they get the glove hand out and then they yank. And that's exactly what he's doing here. Like there's a reason it works yeah and, and and it works for guys, especially with the high spin
2: fastballs at the top of the zone and just will bully you with it, and that's exactly what he does. Uh, now to a hitter that has become a very popular offensive prospect among the analytics community and just among among people in general. Davison de Los Santos, third baseman, monster power, um and reached double a as a nineteen year old last year. international free agent uh, back in 2019. And this guy's just matched at every stop, man. Um, It it is that simple. His power is momentous. Like it's 70 raw and he gets into it. Um, There's a lot of moving parts to his swing. And that's why he's a 30 hit tool guy at this point. And I know he's put up some good numbers overall. But I've got some major concerns with with the approach. That said, how many 19-year-olds are producing 114 mile per hour uh, max exit velocity? How many 19-year-olds are producing a 90th percentile exit velocity of 107, 107? But he also is chasing a ton. Um, He also, you know, because of how much movement there is, I think his timing is inconsistent. Inconsistent timing and high chase rates results in high ground ball rate. 56% Fifty-six percent ground ball rate. If you're a seventy raw power guy and you hit the ball on the ground more than half the time, I'm, it makes me want to pull my hair out. That said, he still hit twenty-two home runs because of how ridiculous his home run to fly ball rate is. Because when he does hit it in the air, it's it's gone. Like it's that simple. So for him, it's about improving the approach. I think quieting the moves. I don't think he needs all of those loud moves. I think that'll help him a bit too. But the fact that he's had success in high A at this point, it's just purely off of freak athleticism, freak bat speed, and crazy power Uh, with with refinement. This guy could be one of the better young offensive
1: prospects in baseball. His hoop mixtape is going to be sick at the end of this season. (laughs) He's he's the kind of guy that's going to frustrate the crap out of you a lot, but the good is going to look so awesome. It is – it's poor man's LA de la Cruz right now. You know what it, I mean? The, like
2: the power it, it's right there. And, and it's funny. The GIF I use is him with a two strike, no stride, which he needs to, to fully lean into with less than two strikes. It is one of the bigger leg kicks you're going to see. Like it is a massive out of control leg kick with a big barrel tip. Here's the crazy thing. You don't need to do that. Davison, because look at this video right here for those that are watching on YouTube. Like it's a no stride and it's just a load in coil on my back hip and let it fly. That's his two-strike swing. He put that out to dead center like without a shadow of a doubt of whether that was leaving. It was like 110 off the bat. Yes. You don't need the big leg kick, and it's only going to disrupt his timing at even more. So that's the one thing I'd like to see from him. Defensively, I think he can get by at third. It's it's not going to be great, but he's passable, monster arm, and he moves
1: pretty well for a big dude. Yeah, I, I'd say just be ready for the roller coaster. Um mm-hmm. Like these guys are really good prospects because the the highs are so high. The lows are pretty low. The lows are a lot lower than a lot of other players and a lot of other prospects in Major League Baseball. But the Javi Baez roller coaster is fun for Javi Baez fans. It wasn't fun last year, but it was fun in twenty one. It was fun when he was a top three MVP finisher. Um, the l a de la Cruz roller coaster is going to be really fun for Reds fans. I think to a lesser degree, the Davison Delos Santos roller coaster is going to be pretty fun for, for Diamondbacks fans. And he's going to frustrate you at times, I think. Um, but the good times are going to be really good. And, and if the, I agree with all of that and, and
2: he can be productive just off of that, but man, if he refines his approach and, and smooths things out, this guy could be one of the better forces. You can't teach the kind of bat speed that he has. No. Next up top pitching prospect in this system. And I think quickly becoming one of the better right-handed pitching prospects in baseball, Brandon fought. He will be up there on the top 100 list. And it's crazy that this guy's at number five on this list, because that just shows you how talented this list is thought. We've talked about him a lot, man. Um, we don't need to get too, too deep into it, but he was spectacular last year to, to overcome the PCL. Uh, and and you know, by the time people are listening to this, we have an interview out with Mason Miller of the Oakland A's organization. One of my you know favorite stories right now in the minor leagues. And he talked about how, You know, guys really kind of say just you can't look at the ERA and the PCL. You just got to focus on what you want to focus on and what you want to accomplish and just accept that the ERA is going to be inflated. Like that's what they accept. Not Brandon Fott. Brandon Fott still was effective. ERA probably still slightly inflated because he was pitching in a friendly environment. I bet it's sub two. Uh, But this guy led the minors in strikeouts. He has a ridiculously impressive arsenal with an above-average fastball, plus slider, an above-average changeup, and a curveball that at least flashes average. Command is plus. Um, mechanics are so smooth. He has really come out of nowhere to be one of the safer bets to be a, a really solid big league starter. I think the ceiling is is a number two type, and I think the floor really is is like a number four or five type. Like if if everything does not quite go the way we think. This guy is still a big league starter. Like it's just that simple.
1: Yes, hundred percent, and that's because of the command, and that's a full stop there. Like it is, he's a strike thrower. He is willing to challenge hitters in the most difficult league on planet Earth to pitch in, and he still succeeds. That shows you that this guy is geared up for massive success. And uh, I, I think it was in this write up here when I was editing. I, I think I saw you say, "as As weird as it sounds, he may." Be better at keeping the ball in the ballpark at the major league level, um, yeah. it, which is is wild to think about. But that's what he was dealing with in in Amarillo and Reno. Um, Fott is good fastball, really good slider, decent curveball, great command. That's a four, and good change, and good change. That's a three, <laughs> right? And right. if it all clicks, it's a two.
2: And that's why I'm so excited to watch this guy this year. Yeah. Um, we saw Fangrafts put him I think was Grayson like, Rodriguez. Ahead of Grayson Rodriguez, which, you know, is 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 really bullish. But the point being, like, they're betting on that profile. And I can understand that, you know, I can. I think Grayson is all of those things though as well with better stuff, but that's a separate point. Like that you can understand that the rationale there. Um Big guy, too, at 6'4", 2'10". He's got that durable body. Doesn't he look like an innings eater? Doesn't he just look like Brandon innings eater with the way his body looks? I'm I'm really excited to to see what he does this year. Please get him up early. For the D-backs to have the full magic season, we
1: need him up in, like, June, at least, May, maybe. I mean, earlier than that, right now, the projected five is Gallen, Kelly, Davies, Ryan Nelson, and Madison Bumgarner. So, like... (laughs) Make him a long reliever. Make bum. Make bad bum a long reliever, and just have <laughs> make, fun fuck, make that make that dude the mop up
2: duty guy. And, oh, it's six zero. Put in mad bum. Yeah. He can just he can just get us through to the next game. Yeah. Um, number four. We don't need to spend too much time because we have not really much on him, um, as no one does. But we know what we know. Drew Jones. Drew Jones, number two pick in the draft. Son of Andrew Jones. Incredible talent elite defensive outfielder already, uh, really impressive power potential. I mean, this guy could be legitimately um, an elite defensive center fielder with good power, maybe plus power, and an above-average hit tool, or at least average hit tool. So plus-plus speed, plus raw power potential, plus potential in center field. This guy's got you know the upside to be – what his father was, which is one of the best players in baseball. So uh, Drew Jones would be ranked higher. You know, I, we've seen him also ranked extremely high on top prospect lists. I don't subscribe to, you know, ranking guys that high that we have not seen play one game professionally. Um, but I am very excited to see Drew Jones play professionally and with a good start to low A. with a, if he shows that field a hit, cause I am a little bit worried about the swing. I think it needs a little bit of tweaking and adjustment. Um He's going to fly up the ranks.
1: Yeah. I just think, I think the Diamondbacks have to get weird of they ha- have to get rid of that weird like underground ritual that they're doing where they start tearing their first round picks. Labrum, yeah, it's bizarre. It's, they shouldn't do that anymore. No, and they should stop doing that. It feels like a pledging process, like Gorman Carroll did yeah. it. Now Drew Jones is doing it too. Like Drew Jones, he's kind of too good. good Lawler. For the pledging process. Lawler, yeah, he's kind of too good for the pledging process.
2: Yeah, well the good news is it works for uh, for Carroll, it works for Lawler, and I think it's going to work for Drew Jones. If this guy hits the ceiling, it's again, he's he could be a top prospect in baseball candidate, you know, and yeah. um yeah, so I'm really excited to see what he does, but at this point I can't put him ahead of a guy who had the success that he had in high A like a Jordan Lawler. Um and a guy that that reached double A last year too. Um Lawler comes in at number 3. What a year that he had. And we'll talk about like ballpark factor because I think, you know, park factor probably uh, caused Lawler's power to be a little bit higher uh, in the slugging department than maybe it is actually in the batted ball, you know, data department. But Lawler is is an above average hitter. He's a plus plus runner. He's an above average to maybe plus defender at at, at short. I got to up the current field grade to, to be higher there. Um, but I think he projects as a plus Uh, defender there Um, I think the power is going to be closer to average at the big league level but when you're a plus plus runner you know I I think that there's something you know there's there's a Trey Turner light here I think you know maybe the hit tool is not quite there um, and maybe the power might never quite get there but it could you know we don't there's plenty of room for projection here I think there's a Trey Turner light uh, that, that we could see from uh, from Jordan Lawler here, which is, I think, everything that he should aspire to be because he's got the skill set. It's just about becoming you know that kind of player, which you know, we'll have to wait and see. But the skill set's there.
1: Yeah. The one unfun area for the Diamondbacks right now is shortstop with Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo holding it down in, in the meanwhile. And like, listen, you're not going to get many errors. You're going to get a bunch of defensive runs saved from that. But you're not going to get any production offensively. Lawler, you have a 24 ETA. You finished with 20 games in double last year. I think this guy probably splits the year half and half between double and triple. And I think he may be ready to break camp in 24. So there's the fix to the one unfun thing, which is really cool. Uh, and then De Los Santos, no idea where he's going to be along the timeline, but I wouldn't mind Josh Rojas getting off uh, third base for the Diamondbacks, but um, he's been all right. He's been all right. Like he's, he's better than Ahmed and, and uh um, Geraldo Perdomo. And plus you've got Evan Longoria who's probably gonna play a little third and DH some, which is kind of yeah. fun. Um, I like it. I like that. Yeah, like Lawler. If Lawler was ready this year, this would be the team that I watch the most in all of major league baseball. But he's not ready this year. No, not quite. The one thing I want to
2: see is maybe add a little bit, a little bit of strength, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. He has room in the frame. 101 mile per hour, 90th percentile velocity. He's nothing to you know slouch your shoulders about when you've got the speed and the tools that Waller has but it, you know that's 50 raw power potential right there if he's 55 yeah I, I think this is a guy that that becomes a really dynamic player and remember Trey Turner didn't tap into the power until like 2 years ago so for for guys with this profile sometimes it takes a little bit longer i think that he has the physical projection and the ability to tap into that kind of power um and and i think the defensive skill set is Really impressive. He uses the whole field really well, and he has a great approach. Only a twenty percent chase rate last year, man. So this is a guy that's that's going to make you come to him, and and he's going to take his walks, which is great because you want that guy on base. And, and I I feel very confident that Jordan Lawler will be an above average regular, and I'm interested to see you know how high that ceiling can go based on how much impact he can provide.
1: Yeah, I think you're Team Meyer over Lawler right now, and that kind of pisses me off because I think I'm still Team Lawler over Team Meyer, but I'm going to sell you on it when we get into
2: these top 100 uh, rundowns, and once we get to that point, which is coming up soon, once we break break down the top 100 list, I will convert you to a Meyer guy, and that's not a Lawler indictment. I freaking love Jordan Lawler. He's a (laughs) top 20 prospect in baseball. Maybe better, but Marcelo Meyer might be even higher than that. Number two is Gabriel Moreno, a guy, one of the rare instances, catcher by the way, one of the rare instances of a guy that exceeded his rookie limitations and is still a prospect by our definition because usually it's the other way around. We like to cut guys off way quicker because I want to rank more dudes and I'm tired of ranking guys that have been around forever, uh, like Sixto Sanchez who still appears on prospect lists. Moreno exceeded the rookie limits, but he's still a prospect for us and I think he's still a prospect for Baseball America and many other. Don't think you'll ever regret acquiring a Dalton Varsho, but I do think that you can regret trading a Gabriel Moreno is so, so, so talented as a catcher, uh, offensively and is a above average defender. When's the last time, I guess, besides Adley Rutschman, right? Like when have you seen a, a plus plus hit tool grade on a catcher? I don't know. I don't know if we can think of many instances in which You have a plus-plus hit tool grade, a 70 grade on on a catcher. The crazy thing, too, is he has above-average power potential, and that's something I keep trying to remind people. Like We didn't see the home run output as he came back from a a hand wrist injury. Um, We've seen that the power output be a bit sporadic in the past, but this is a guy that has put up 110, 111-mile-per-hour exit velocities, maybe even higher than that. He hit a home run or a double 110 that got stuck in a wall. That's literally what this GIF is here. Um, And, I mean, this guy has – 20 run potential he does uh it's just about hitting it in the air more and, and consistently tapping into that power but even if he doesn't it's plus plus hitter and above average defense behind the dish that's going to be one of the better catchers in baseball if he does that at the highest level
1: can i give you an answer to uh last guy that we've seen with plus plus hit tool as a catcher andy rodriguez <laughs> i guess andy but like right, that, that's that's side in terms of like top ten, like prospect type as a catcher, it's probably Maurer. That that's the last <laughs> like plus plus hit tool guy as a catcher. Uh,
2: that I can think of. Maybe we're forgetting a bust. You know, like maybe we're forgetting like a bust along the way. But yeah, I mean, it just shows you that there, there's not many guys like that. And Moreno's ninety plus percent zone contact. Um, he's above average exit velocities. He is. I The guys I've talked to that have played with him would put it very simple. Best hitter I've ever played with. Wow. Uh, and of course those are the minor league guys, the major league guys I'm sure have played with some better hitters, but the guys that have played with him in the minor league say best hitter I've ever played with. And he just makes it look easy. Those moves. He's got the barrel tip, but he has it down so perfectly. How it coincides with his leg kick, how his moves are so repeatable. His timing is so repeatable. Everything he does is just in rhythm And when you have a catcher with 90% zone contact with a 90th percentile exit velocity above 102 miles an hour. And if you can just get the ball in the air more, the 54% ground ball rate was the issue. Um, Even as is he's a top 10 catcher in the game, in my opinion, but his ceiling is top three catcher in the game. And, and I really think he has a good chance to hit that ceiling. He's 23 years old and just turned 23. I'm a huge Moreno fan to me. He's a top 10 prospect in baseball, at least top 15, And I I think he's, he's a candidate for rookie of the year. I'm so happy that he's going to be getting consistent reps here in Arizona.
1: Uh, I think I have your answer. Chance Cisco. I (laughs) think that was like the last guy. He wasn't like a 70, but he was like a 65. So yeah, bust there, but plus hit tool catcher. Uh, Yeah, man, I love Moreno because I, I think that that is, I don't think it's a lost art because I think it's been a rarity at the catching position over baseball history. Like, who have been really good batting average catchers? Not many. Like, and any of those that have been are probably in the Hall of Fame if they can kind of catch. <laughs> and he's got enough juice in there too. Like, if it, like he can surprise you, he's not a slap
2: hitter. You know, right. he's not going to just be slapping the ball around around the yard. And if he can find a way to tap into more pop, he is going to be a force and an all star. I think a, a multi all star as a yeah, catcher, man. which is I, pretty damn I good. Could.
1: I think that we are talking about the modern catcher right now. When you look at JT Realmuto and Adley Rutschman, I think that Gavin Moreno is going to be in that modern catcher mold. I think that he's going to enter that conversation immediately, and there are a lot of guys coming up. My mind goes to Drew Romo with the Rockies. That kind of fits that modern catcher mold to a tee. Andy
2: Rodriguez,
1: again, you and know, like that's Harry Ford, yeah. yeah. I agree that's the future of the
2: catching position. I think J.T. Realmuto really kind of set the tone there as a converted shortstop and former quarterback as hey, your, your catcher should be athletic as hell. It'll it'll help you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Speaking is athletic uh speaking of athletic as hell, here is maybe the most athletic guy in the minor leagues or now in major leagues too, honestly. I'd take him up there with anybody. 80-grade runner. I'm um, spoiler alert will be the number one prospect in our 2023 top 100 list as well. Corbin freaking Carroll, 22 years old plus hit tool plus raw power plus, plus, plus runner plus, plus defender. Um, This guy is just so dynamic, man, um, to, to, to produce the power that he does um, for, for his compact frame. As you mentioned, he's not six, two, if he was six, two, I don't know how much power he'd have, but, This guy produced a 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 miles an hour. To put that in perspective, that was better than Christian Walker last year. So you have a guy putting up better exit velocities than Christian Walker, better run times than anybody, uh, a little bit more swing and miss maybe than some expected, but still better contact rates than a lot of guys in that org. And uh, defense that is right up there with Alec Thomas and and others as uh, either plus defensive center fielder or gold glove caliber left fielder. Corbin Carroll is the number one prospect in baseball for my money because of the way he's able to impact the baseball. And look at this swing off of you, Darvish, man. Like it's power to all fields. But the crazy thing is, is when he's not producing power, he can beat one into the ground. He's probably going to beat it out because he's an 80 grade freaking runner.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, like there's no flaw in his game because he walks over 10 percent of the time. He uses the 80 grade speed like he can be. 40 stolen bases at the major league level to accompany those 20 homers
2: which is ridiculous on top of plus deep like this this is a guy and this is why he's number one for me i can envision corbin carroll posting multiple seven war seasons i got, i think if you had to ask me like which prospect could produce an eight war season in the next couple years I'd probably go with with Corbin Carroll with the defense, with the speed, with the power, with the bat, the ball, with the ability to walk that he brings to the table. Like that's the guy that I think could have the like one of the most impressive like cumulative WAR seasons that you're going to see.
1: Well, we talk about the WAR versus WRC plus conversation where like a guy may be a better hitter but not an overall player. Um, I think Gunner probably like when both these two hang it up and these two will be compared to each other for a very long time when both of them hang it up. I wouldn't be shocked to see Gunnar Henderson have a higher career WRC plus, but I think that Corbin Carroll is a much safer bet to have a higher career war because of everything. 100%.
2: And I can't emphasize enough the fact that this dude at 5'10", 170 is producing exit velocities better than Christian Walker on top of the zone contact, on top of the approach on top of everything else that he brings to the table. Corbin Carroll, like not only could be the rookie of the year this coming year, I think he could end up establishing himself similarly to what we saw from J. Ron, what we saw from Michael Harris, which is, oh, yeah, this young guy that just emerged into the league. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best outfielders in baseball now. Um, And, and that's really hard to do. And it takes a very special talent.
1: Yeah, man, that's the thing. Like, what did Michael Harris do last year that Corbin Carroll can't do? I would say maybe slightly better, you know, more polished defender out
2: there in center. Like maybe that's about it.
1: The Carroll's going to play left and be excellent in left. They both hit the ball just as hard, um, you know, maybe slight
2: edge to Harris in terms of, of exit velocities, but I'd argue that Corbin is a more polished hitter. He hits yeah. the ball in the air more. He uses the whole field more. So I think they're right on par with each other. And I think we're going to see that this year from Corbin Carroll, who is faster, by the way, too, which is also crazy to say, because Michael Harris flies. Yeah. So that'll do it for the Diamondback system. Again, full write ups in the description of the podcast uh, to to look at all the video that we're talking about and to, you know, just read more in-depth detail on all of these guys. If you're listening on the podcast side. Please leave a rating, help us grow this show. Uh, The numbers have been awesome. It's been really awesome to see the growth. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, please leave us that subscription uh, and and stay up to date with everything we're doing on on the prospect side. A lot more player interviews, a lot more farm system rundown, some top 100 stuff coming up soon. And by the time you're listening to this really awesome interview with Mason Miller, one of my favorite stories in the minors. And I think minor league baseball's most anonymous 100 mile per hour thrower. And he basically sits that now, um, but that'll do it. Jack, any final thoughts on the Arizona diamondbacks farm system? It's all about the snakes this year, baby. Oh yeah. Snake. I know you and I are all in. I think, you know, we're, we're going to try and let's try and sync up a trip, especially like Brandon Fott gets called up. Like we, we, we got to rip a game at I'm some in. point. I, for those listening that are diamondbacks fans just know like we are on the bandwagon
1: yeah. now. D-backs and Rockies. I'm I'm in on the bottom West of the NL West. Maybe.
2: Yeah, it's a, but Rockies is a troll. D-backs
1: I'm like actually in. I don't know, man. When Chris Bryant wins an MVP, it's not a troll anymore. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that.
2: I'm excited to see Corbin Carroll at altitude a little bit more too. Yes. Uh, and see what he can do with it with with the ball out there and in the gaps. That'll do it. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.